Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you, Lindsay. Good morning, church family. Hope you're doing well. Happy, happy Mother's Day to each of our moms, and thank you for pouring your life into your family. The, uh, I hope today you just hear the keep on and well done of our Heavenly Father as you live out this mission that God has given you, the gift, but at times I know challenge. I was thinking this week of what John Acuff in his uh, blog wrote. He said, I have never heard a mom say, I am totally crushing mother's, motherhood. And so I, went, I, I said, okay, I'm going to ask a Hall of Fame mom, like this mom is crushing it. And I said, Do you, have you, okay, let's not say the whole motherhood thing, but let's just say a day. Has there ever been a day when you just, at the end of the day, you're like, man, I crushed motherhood today. And she smiled and thought for a moment and then said, no, <laughs> moments maybe, but by the end of that day, it's, uh, oh man. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if look outside looking in, I think our moms are absolutely crushing motherhood, and, but if they think they're not, we need to be encouraging them. So one of the action steps today is let's tell a mom she's crushing it. And uh, just hope you uh, sense that from the Lord. Well done and keep on and hopefully wind in your sails today. If you're just joining us, welcome. Great to have you. We're, we're, kick, we're uh, launching this series. Last week was the first week, but it's called Locked In. And the big idea is that life can be distracting, discombobulating. But as followers of Jesus, we want to live locked in on him so that we can live fit and faithful to the finish, to, to uh, the day we, we, God calls us home. The idea of locked in on Jesus is just allowing his, one, his word to guide us, to be guided by what he said, to allow his love to fuel us, to allow his spirit that he gave us, the Holy Spirit, to empower what we do, and then to allow the mission that he gave us of making disciples to unify us and propel us into what he's called us to. So this picture of fit and faithful, it comes from a word in Colossians 1.29 where Paul says, you know, I'm, I'm, lay, I'm doing my best to help you live or be mature in Christ. It's the idea, not perfection, but progress and then uh, spiritual maturity. So that's the target. The way that we're going to get there is through the letter of Colossians and a letter that Paul wrote to a church family to help them stay focused on Christ. As we, uh, each week, the the overarching threat that we're just going to get after that this text that Colossians aims at is living distracted versus focused. And as I was thinking about living distracted in the realm of motherhood, a, a moment came to mind. One of my favorite moments growing up was, was Sunday lunch. And where mom would, uh, she, one of our favorite meals was fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy over everything, green beans, she made homemade yeast rolls and uh, back in the day before Sarah Lee. And then uh, we had, uh, she'd make strawberry jelly as well. She was a big gardener. And I'm telling you, the smell of that meal was heavenly and the taste uh, the same, but the waiting was agonizing. So what did we do as a family for, you know, 30 minutes while you're waiting for it? Well, we did something that um, there was this thing back in the day called a paper, newspaper, 
where they would actually, it's like on, put it on like this uh, stuff from trees and then ink and there, it was on Sundays really big and there were these things in it called the comics that on Sunday they would actually be in color. And, and so as kids, we'd do the comics and as we waited and it was Family Circus was one of the, the comics that often came to mind that reminded me of being distracted. Little Billy up in the left hand corner gets dropped off the bus, he cruises around, sees the dog, friends, neighbor working on his car, garage, jumping some rope, you know, rolls around, finally gets home. Billy, I've been worried about you. Where have you been, says mom. Just walking home from the bus. And uh, for whatever reason, that just loved following him around. But it reminded me of my tendency often as I follow Christ is to live distracted. How do we avoid distracted living versus locked in, just following him closely? Today, there's a, a gift that God has given us in our text, which is a prayer that we can pray that will help us lock in on him. It's a prayer that we can all pray, um, aiming at one at our own life, but also at the lives of, of those around us. And what's neat about this prayer, it, it forms a, a template that uh, it not only instructs us how to pray for each other, but it inspires us to pray in that when you this is what God wants to do in our lives. When we pray this, God's going to do this. He, this is one of those prayers he delights to answer. And so it just kind of lights you up as you see, wow, if I do this, here's what's coming. So let's dig in. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 is where we're at today. Paul writes, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So quick context in case you're just joining us. Paul is writing to this church family in Colossae. He's writing from jail from, or a house arrest in Rome to a church he's never met. And uh, he, the first part was a greeting where he was celebrating the good things that they're doing and just saying, hey guys, good job, keep on. He circles back to the importance of prayer as we hear him say, you know, because of these good things you've been doing, we haven't stopped praying for you. Which to us, I think, lifts the urgency. You can feel it in his tone, like, we're living in prayer for you guys, challenging us, again, the, the priority of prayer and praying for each other. God works through the prayers of his people. We, as a church family, often one of our mottos is we fall on our feet, we fly on our knees. And it's that idea of when I get up and stand and like, yeah, I can handle this situation and do this day, what happens? Spiritually, we, 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 we struggle. There's, there's not power in that. But when we live dependent, like a child on the Lord, just talking to him throughout the day, praying for those around us, when we're on our knees, we fly. We fall on our feet, but we fly on our knees. Power of God at work through our prayer. But it raises the question, okay, so what should we be praying? And what emerges next is really one request with two parts something to know and then something to do and this is the core of it in verse second part of verse 90 says we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives or spiritual wisdom and understanding so there's the there's what we need to know so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So when you put this prayer in a, uh, we'll put this in a picture so we can remember it and pack it with us this week, but it carries the idea, first there's something for us to know, and Paul says, all right, 
here's what I'm praying. Here's the template. I'm praying first. That you would know his will. And what's neat about this is you look at the text. He says, I I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding. It isn't just like you would kind of get it, the will of God for your life. He would fill you up with the knowledge you need to live a life pleasing to him such that you got all you need to know what God, the living God would have you do today as you do your life. How good is that? And here we see, one, the priority of knowing his will. It's the first thing he prays for. What's first on his list? This is it. Why? Because it's, it's everything, isn't it? If we could know God's will, omniscient, all-knowing God, his best for our life, that, that, that's like everything, but not only is it priority, but it's possibility. And, and I hope this just encourages you today and fills you up with some hope that, that as we're, this is a way we can pray over our own hearts for each other. And as we do, is God going to give us all we need? Absolutely. This is a prayer he delights to answer. So the next question becomes, how, do, how does this actually play out in reality? Like, how do we know the will of God? And what is the will of God? And the first answer to that is, we know his will through his word. He's revealed his uh, special revelation, his specific will. We, we, we can call this um, in the moral will of God in his word. And talk about a gift. We come into this world and we're like, okay, obviously there's a creator. You know, you look at who, the complexity of creation. The teleological argument for the ex- existence of God is pretty you have to be kind of set in your ways not to believe it or see it or just admit there's an incredible order in the universe right now. And where there's order, there's a creator. Who is this? And we, it's here in Scripture we learn this is who God is. But who are we? And, and how do we relate to him? And that, that is answered in his word to us. He told us, this is who you are. And, and, and then the next question is, okay, why do I exist? What's my purpose? And it's here. He reveals this truth. And then, okay, um, what's coming? I, I, we, he put, he spun time into being, and, and we know time is moving. So what's coming? And, and we learn that in his word. He said, hey, here's a third of the Bible is prophecy, showing us, guys, here's what's coming. But the biggest question of all, in light of these great truths that are answered in the word of God, how do I live my everyday life in light of all this? <laughs> like, Tomorrow. How do I live my life? Guys, it's here. He's given it to us. And Paul is praying that really it's, we would have a hunger to get into his word and understand this and learn and know what has he revealed about himself in his word. And it was really, and, but then I could hear someone thinking, okay, I get the big truths, but how do I apply the big truth to my everyday life? Like, when should I let my daughter have a cell phone? what's the will of God in that? I can't find that verse in here. To which I hear one mom saying, or dad saying, never. To which the daughter says, but, (laughs) my friend. Tough question. How do we navigate those? And that's where we see in the the text. He says, 
We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. These two words are, indicate uh, not just understanding the big timeless truths of Scripture, but applying them to our everyday life, and God helps us in that. You say, how's that play out? And it falls under the category of, if you think about the will of God, there's the sovereign will of God that we know his will is going to happen. This, his sovereign will, we submit ourselves to. And there are things that are just going to play out that are going to play out. And it's comforting to know he's in control. He's working even hard things for his glory and our good. But like Joseph, when he got thrown in jail, that sovereign will of God, not his plan, but he submitted to that. So when the sovereign will of God is working, we submit to that. The moral will of God, we follow. That's his word, and that's right or wrong. The permissive will of God is the incredible freedom he's given us to just pick a spouse, go out to dinner, or parent. Like, how do I, what, what should I parent? And God's given us freedom in, in the, those realms so we apply wisdom to that. And that's the spiritual, the, uh, where the words wisdom and understanding. The question is not, is it right or wrong? The question is, is it wise? Based on my past experience, present circumstance, future hopes and dreams, is this best? Is this wise? And so living wisely as we pray, we seek counsel, we learn from our past mistakes and apply them, and, and God guides us. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom... And the permissive will ask God and he will give it to you generously and he will guide now, what a gift just to be to know we've got the word of God <laughs> revealed word of God with the timeless truths we have the spirit of God guiding us with wisdom we have and then we have a faith family people around us praying this prayer into our lives so that we can live a God-guided life as we make our approximately 35,000 decisions a day and what an encouragement. I hope that just fills you up to, to pray that over your heart, over, over the people around you. But it goes on, as he says, this, the second part of this request is a call to action. He says, okay, I pray that you'd be filled with this knowledge, know his will, so that, verse 10, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So once we know his will, we're locked in on that, then we, um, so that and in, in order to, uh, it's hard to put this whole, I'd love it if we, yeah, if you can remember the whole thing, live a life worthy of his will. But we're just going to use, the word there is kind of, in the Greek is to walk according to his will. So we're just going to use the, the word to walk, or the phrase walk in it. So our prayer is, Lord, help me know your will, and then help me walk in it. As we, uh, Think about it so that you, you may live a life worthy of the Lord or, or walk worthy of him and please him in every way. Do you notice the motive for walking in his will? It's to, to be worthy of him. It comes back to love and relationship with him, doesn't it? Like why, why want to know what God wants us to do and why delight in walking in it? It's because of what he's done for us. To be worthy of the one who gave his life. He gave us life and then he gave his life and I just want to spend my days walking worthy of him, pleasing him, living for the audience of one. That's the idea that he has here. And so 
the, uh, the question then becomes, if we're doing this, if we're praying this and living this, if we know his will and we're walking in it, what would our life look like? And this is where it gets exciting. Like you can see the, the vision. This could be for you. This could be for your loved ones as you pray over them as he goes on. Verses, uh, the second part of verse 10 and following says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Four marks of a life that is locked in. When we know his will, walk in his will, the first mark you see there is bearing fruit in every good work. And we'll say, uh, you're, we will be doing good. And we'll use that picture of a bearing fruit, picture of an apple tree with lots of apples. How do you not waste your life? You know, when you wake up in the morning and you set out and go, we're praying, Lord, help me know your will and walk in it. And if we wake up each day, what a comfort to know. If we wake up each day, we're praying, Lord, help me know your will, walk in it. He's going to show us. And what are we going to be doing? We're going to do the, the good that he called us to do for his glory and our joy in getting to join the Father in his work. Isn't that awesome? Let's do some good has been our theme this year. Some days you, you wonder, does my life matter? You know what? All we have to do is pray, Lord, help me know your, your will, walk in it, and we will bear good fruit. So that at the end of our life, we're going to look back and see a bunch of good that's been done, and we're going to like, how in the world did that happen? One prayer at a time. People praying over us. You know, fruit, I love that picture of God. Jesus uses it in John 15 of our lives. And, but like you take a, an, like an apple and cut that. Apple brings life to people. Apple a day keeps the doctor away. But more than that, there's life in that apple, those seeds. How many seeds are in an apple? I don't know. It seems like five or something. But you get a bunch of apples falling, and then the life that just comes out of that, and that's your life. That's my life. As we know his will, walk in it. We'll be doing good, and that good could go for generations. Second, the uh, mark of somebody who's locked in that he gives us, and as we live this way, we will grow in the knowledge of God. Second part of uh, verse 10 there. So we'll use the phrase, we'll uh, know him better. And for this, we'll just go ahead and the picture of knowing is a picture of intimacy. So hopefully you can see this. Can anyone guess what this is? Artist, Laney, you should be drawing this. Coffee cups. And it's that idea of intimacy, just having coffee with the Lord, but getting to know him. Um, this is the treasure of, of life, isn't it? of uh, knowing his will, walking in it. As we know his will and we walk in it, we experience him, we know him in a way that the most wonderful, beautiful, loving being in the universe draws close. And, we, and it's, it's a way that no one else he's ever created knows him, like you know him in your own experience, the good that he's created you to do. I heard one of my pastors I like listening to is John Dickerson, and he preached a message last week that was like, man, this illustration, he said, what if Noah had said, God, that, building that ark, it's going to take 100 years, and I'm going to get ripped 
ridiculed and it's just going to be, it's too big for me. And the good, the good work that you've called me to do in building an ark, I'm going to pass on that. What if Noah had passed on the will of God and walking in it? Well, he said, I, I think Noah knew God, so he's, when the flood came and he and his family all drowned, I think he would have been with God in heaven. He would have made it, been okay. But what would he have missed? <laughs> the joy of, of being with God in the storm and seeing God close that ark and protect his family and get him through and then use his family to repopulate for the glory of God in a way that we're still talking about it today. He knew God. Because he knew his will and walked in it. And what a treasure. You know, the, uh, and so it is for us and for you. Each, of, each one of us have a unique life mission, something. Do, you, you, we will all, you know God in his word, but do you know him in your experience as you know his will and then and do it? That's the, the joy of this. And this is what we get to pray for each other too. And then third mark of living locked in is there in verse 11, as it says, he's praying, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So this is, as, we're, as we know his will and we walk in it, we're, we will be living empowered. And this, let's, we'll go with the uh, picture of a, a mountain. We're looking at that mountain. How are we going to get up over that mountain? It's by his power. And the two words that he uses are unique. The, the first one is so that you'll be in power. Notice the power. He just amplifies it as he says, uh, you know, you'll be with all, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So just God's wind in our sails. But he uses that word endurance and patience. The word endurance carries the idea of keeping on through difficult circumstances. And so he's assuming we're going to be in trials down here in so he's praying for this endurance. But second, the word patience is dealing with not difficult circumstances, but difficult people. And what a, a great thing to, to pray over our own hearts and, and to pray for the people around us. It's so good to see our college students home with us today and, and uh, coming back. But you know that finals week when you hit the, the tough, uh, man, here it comes. And how do we get through? And to be able to just pray strength into each other's lives is awesome. As moms carry the weight of your kids and what a gift to be able to pray this prayer lord just empower them and know he will give them endurance and patience to put up with and the patience the difficult people in life and as i was reading this i could not help but just see our lord as he went to the cross for us and with great endurance great patience uh, life is that journey of facing the challenges praying and then watching god lift us up and over the mountains in our lives. And then the fourth mark of living locked in and, and evidence and the result of, of living this way is in verse 12, as he says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. And so we'll say, uh, yeah, we'll just go this posture of joyful thanks. And I need to draw a person. Does anyone want me to draw them? Anybody uh, quick? Ken, can I draw you, brother? All right, here we go. Ken, this is Ken giving joyful thanks. How's that? <laughs> that's the best I got. Laney, I need you again. <laughs> but that's the, isn't that a neat picture of 
Paul's just praying, I pray that this would be the posture of your life. You know, as you're doing life, knowing as well, walking in it, you're doing good, knowing and better, you're living empowered, and you are living with joyful thanks. How, we say, when I'm facing mountains, how, do I, how can I live with joyful thanks? And that's how he wraps it up and really crescendos this prayer. He says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We say, well, how did we get qualified to do that? And here's where he goes on with the good news of the gospel. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Why live in this posture of joyful thanks? Two words. We have been rescued and redeemed. Rescued and redeemed. And that idea of being rescued, he says, He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We're born under the the dominion of the devil and uh, in bondage, in slavery, our wills enslaved to his will. And we are born in that way as we've offended a holy God, sinned against a holy God. We deserve the just judgment of a holy God, which is a horrible thing. You think about, um, I know we don't like to go here, but our sin deserves eternal wrath from a a living God. That's what we deserve, and that's where we are apart from Christ. And that's why he came and he took on the cross the wrath we deserve. That's why the cross was bloody and horrible, and he suffered the separation that we deserve to rescue us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And I love that idea of kingdom. Guys, we're part of a kingdom. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted him as your savior, put your faith in him, you are a citizen of another kingdom living as an ambassador down here. And one day, what's our hope? Guys, what's our hope? And it's hard. This hope gets blurry here in where we live in this country because we have it so good. But our hope is the king is coming. And we are ambassadors down here, left with this message of the good news to tell people God loves you and he's made a way for you to be right with him, to be, as he says in this text, forgiven of your sins. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ. The word redemption carries that idea of being bought out of slavery. Redemption was the price you would pay to buy someone's freedom. And it's just reminding us of the price of the cross and what Jesus did for us at great expense to himself to give us the freedom that we enjoy today. And you say, why joyful thanks? It's because we're kingdom people who have been rescued out of darkness into the kingdom of light and all this for eternity. I love the, uh, that picture. You know, I heard a picture recently of when a, uh, a country is going to go to war with another country. The first thing this country will do before going to war with this country is send word to their uh, embassy, send our citizens back because we're about to go to war. And I love that picture of the coming of our king. Scripture tells us that the king is coming. That's going to be judgment day for anyone who does not know Christ. But for all of us who are in Christ, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. He's going to empty the embassies. (laughs) And we're going to go to be with him and be with him forever. And so we live with joyful thanks. 
for all that we have in Christ. And as I was thinking about this good news, I was reminded I don't want to assume that all of us in here have a relationship with God and this opportunity to live in a posture of joyful thanks. And I just want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and maybe you don't know a lot about him and you just like more information, I'd love to, or those are, anyone that you know is a follower of Christ would love to talk with you and help you come to that understanding. But if you've come to that understanding, that you understand that he, he claimed to be the Son of God, he died on the cross for our sin, he rose from the dead three days later, and he offers the free gift of eternal life to anyone who will trust him, believe in him, which is more than just a, a mental ascent, but rather you trust your whole life to him, your eternal life, but your daily life. It's like, God, whatever your will is, I'll do that. It's that kind of trust. When we do that, we receive the gift of eternal life, which is an eternal relationship with God. And it's, Jesus calls it, it's like being reborn or rebirthed. And I was thinking Mother's Day, what a great day to have some rebirths, <laughs> some people to be reborn. And maybe you've never just said, Jesus, here's my life. I confess my sin to you. I know I'm a sinner. And today, I'm just going to make this clear. I believe in you. I trust you. I'm yours. I follow you. Would, would you make that, would you make today, that your day? That's, as I say this, this is God's invitation to you. It's the good news. For the rest of us, here's the action step, and this is where it gets exciting. God has given us, through his word today, a way to pray, a template, simple template. And it's a way to pray that's not only instructive, but it's inspiring. The, the first priority is, Lord, and this is pretty big in terms of how we pray. We often come to God praying, Lord, would you do my will? <laughs> like, this is what I want to happen, would you do my but that's not how we, we pray. The first priority as we pray is, Lord, would you just show me your will? I want to know your will. Because that's everything. And then when we see it, which he'll show it to us, we walk in it. We go. We're locked in. Lord, I'll follow you. It's a big prayer. <laughs> but I will go anywhere to do anything. Whatever you call me to do, I'm yours. Here we go. And as we pray that prayer, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get some good done. The living God is going to work through ordinary you and me to bear spiritual fruit that will have eternal glory through our lives. We will know him better. We're going to have some Noah in the flood moments. We will be living empowered. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. We're going to see a mountain we can't climb. We're going to pray and his power is going to hit us not to climb that mountain but to fly that mountain jesus followers don't climb we fly right and we're going to be living in a posture of joyful thanks all the way home this is the the answer out of despair out of depression it's prayer it's prayer for the will of god and then and then it's locking in on who we are and what he's done for us we are a rescued and a redeemed people waiting for the king amen now here's the challenge for us would you be willing to pray this one time a day over your own soul? You know, on the airplane where the uh, stewardess says, if, if we go to crash and the oxygen mask comes down, do yourself before you get your kid, because if you're not healthy, you can't help your kid. That's the idea. Let's pray this prayer for ourselves once a day this week. So seven times, okay? 
should we raise hands for this commitment? Or, uh, nah, we won't do that. Let's just, this is, this is, would you say right now, John, I'll do it. I'll commit. All right? So that's the first part. Pray daily over your soul. Just go back through this, pray it. Second, this is just for today. But would you be willing to pray this over one mom in your life? Just pray this prayer. Lord, would you help her know your will? Walk in it. Would you just do big good through, through her? Help her to know you. Coffee table, kind of know. Power her through whatever it is she's going through and help her to live with joyful things. Can you imagine if we all pray for one mom, this prayer, the uplift for our moms, and when mom is happy and doing good, have you ever seen, you talk about, is there a category of let's do some good bigger than when mom's doing good in our world? A human category. I can't think of one. We get a bunch of moms doing good. <laughs> it's heads up. And then uh, the last one. So pray this for my own, our own soul, our one mom. And then would you be willing to pick one person who is really struggling in their life? They're living in that darkness and just going through a hard time and just commit. I will pray this up under that person until they come up out of the darkness. One person who's struggling, I'll pray this prayer on a regular basis until I see them get lifted up by God. And right now, would you just think of that person or just ask God to bring that, who's that one person for you? And then just let that be your habit. And it, isn't it exciting to think about what God's going to do as his people hit our, as we hit our knees, guys? This is how the kingdom of God gets built. One prayer at a time. People faithful to pray. Say, well, how do we pray? Lord, help us know your will, walk in it, doing good, knowing you better, living empowered, and giving joyful thanks. Amen? Are you guys in? We in? All right, let's pray. Father, we do just praise you for the opportunity to just live on our knees and live in this conversation with you, knowing you delight to talk with us and to hear from us. And I thank you that we can come into your throne room through Christ boldly to find grace for our time of need. And Lord, it's been good just to soak in this prayer that you've given us as a template and an inspiration. And I pray that it would just move us all. Give us the grace to, to be praying this and to be living this out. Thank you that we can know your will. Thank you that we can walk in it for your glory and the good of the people around us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.